Hey friends, Paul Shaw with you for another episode of The Shaw Show. A happy new year to you all. It's the 1st of January 2019 as I record the introduction to this really special podcast uh, episode that I did very late last year. And I can't believe it's 2019 and and for those of you who live in Sydney or had the great joy of being in Sydney in 2000 when we had the Olympics, it feels like it was only yesterday and I suppose that's one of the the things about life. It, It goes by very, very quickly and what you do with it is entirely up to you and and the 1st of January tends to be that day where people take a good hard look at at what they want to achieve over over the next 365 days or the next five years or the next 10 years or the next 19 years and I hope that's an exciting proposition for you and I hope it's more than just ideas or resolutions it's something that burns deep in your soul and it's something that you're truly committed to and if we sit here again in in a year's time or or three five ten whatever it happens to be that you've moved steadily forward and and tick those off and and are making a a wonderful success of your life however that may be defined for you but 2018 was a, a bit of a light year in so far as the Shaw Show podcast. You know, I think we did about 35, which was less than we did in the in the first year and a half or so. But for me personally, it was a massive year. Started a, a really exciting new executive role in February that was very much all-consuming, and and that is going wonderfully well. Married my beautiful girl raised over $22,000 for brain disease research, which most of you who listen to the show regularly will know that my mum died of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's almost five years ago now, and, and tragically my my dear dad is also now struggling with Alzheimer's. And I also started another amazing and exciting new podcast around the conscious consumption of meat and all the things that go around that very divisive subject so all in all it was a big year not such a big year for the podcast but we're going to ramp that up again this year but it's all contextual and my guest today really put that into perspective for me when we had this conversation late last year see he was given last rites he got a flu a virus and the next thing he knew he was facing death's door and and for a guy that was living life to the full had a a, a 10 year old boy he wasn't prepared to die and he wouldn't listen to the doctors but after three weeks in a coma he was given life saving surgery and for over a year now he's been walking around with a basically uh, a life support system as he perversely waits for a heart transplant and and I say perversely because unfortunately he needs someone to die and someone very specific to die to enable him to live and you know it's a a a conversation that we dive deeply into because it does it, it it kind of feels really sad that you need to sit there and pray for for someone else to die not deliberately but but so more so that so you can live but anyway I'm rambling a little bit this is a really heartfelt conversation an inspiring way to start the new year for me and there's a lot of big messages in it and and I really do hope you enjoy so please turn it up for my good friend Jaden Cummins (laughs) we're live man beautiful now why is your phone on 
Ah, I apologise in advance if it goes off. Uh, I am expecting a call. Uh, can come through at any time, so we'll probably discuss that at some point this afternoon. But um, yeah, I have to have my phone on with me 24 hours a day, um, sleep with it next to me, and I need to be within an hour of St Vincent's Hospital at any point in time. So what happened? Give me the... <sighs> where were you? What exactly happened medically and what's been the, the journey since then, the last 391 days? <laughs> um it goes back to 29th of August last year. Um, 2017. 20, 20, yeah, 2017. Yeah. So I, uh, D- Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins from my favourite band in the world, Foo Fighters, yeah. did a private gig at the Oxford Arts Factory. Love that. One of my favourite venues. 200. It's a brilliant venue. Yeah. And they announced it on the day and there were 200 people at that venue. Um, so I got down there, got tickets. Um, because you're in the industry, you got that opportunity. I got an email that came through, but because I'm a mad fan, I stood. I was down. I was second in line, so and I was there at seven o'clock in the morning or something for wow. the for the gig that night, um, and it was amazing. It was the best musical experience. You know, I walked away from that show with you know just the greatest. You know, had goosebumps on goosebumps. Incredible. It was amazing. Yeah, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, and an amazing band just rocking out, playing David Bowie and ACDC, and it was just absolutely brilliant um but i also walked away with something else there so it was one of those 200 people in that room had the flu um so i i picked up the flu a couple of days later uh you know i was still showing flu symptoms but that's about it nothing how old were you then man 46 46 yeah. so 47 now 47 now yeah so you know i'm typical aussie bloke uh well i say typical aussie bloke never had a flu shot 10 foot tall and bulletproof you know you get the flu and you go to a pharmacy i definitely don't believe in it you go to the pharmacy you get a cold and flu tablet and and you get on your merry way yeah um bad flu last year you know it killed over a thousand people in australia you don't hear about it so much but it you know attacks the elderly attacks the kids and in my case it attacked my heart so it put me into a state of what's called atrial fibrillation, which is an, uh, an irregular heartbeat. It's an arrhythmia. And very, very common. It's the most common heart arrhythmia that you can get. Common at any age? Common at or, any age, yeah. yeah. And it's treated pharmaceutically. So um, most of the times they can manage it. There is a procedure that you can also get done, um, which is an ablation procedure. They go up through your groin and they, they essentially blast the inside, the interior of where these little electrical, these little nerves are, uh, which trigger these little electrical pulses and puts your heart into this strange rhythm. Yeah. Um, why it's not good is when your heart's beating that quickly and, and um, out of sinus rhythm, which is the normal heartbeat, it's not able to pump the right amount of blood to the rest of your organs. Now, forgive me and, and knock me on the head if this gets too medical, but no, no, medical I've had a man. baptism by fire in the last 12 months and I can tell you anything about the heart. Yeah, I think it's going to scare anyone that gets a flu in the future. Look, and, and if, it, if, it, if, if one person after listening to this takes notice of the symptoms and, you know, um, whether or not you're a believer in the flu shot or not, um, I have to have one now. And I don't know if having a flu shot last year would have stopped this from happening um getting the flu obviously set in motion a chain of events that obviously have changed my life forever um a lot of people also didn't make it so uh, i would hope out of this if one person makes a decision 
and has similar symptoms or something like that and does something about it and it helps them out, then we've done a really good thing. But um, is that just a flu shot or is it far more systemic than that? Look, it was the flu shot. The, the, it, mine started with the flu. So I guess the argument would get back to whether or not that flu could have been stop prevented. Because I know a lot of people that get a flu shot that get the flu. They get the flu. I yeah. don't get a flu shot and I don't get the flu. Yeah. So I've never had the flu yeah. in 46 years. You know, yeah, so, I get the odd cold, but I just don't get sick. Yeah. I never get sick. That's why Maybe I didn't take Oxford it too seriously. Factory. Maybe it's their fault. <laughs> Food fighters. No. <laughs> There's too many variables, man. Oh, I know. I probably need to sit down with Dave Grohl and have it and out with him. just have it out yeah. with him. <laughs> Can you make that happen? <laughs> no, we can. We'll send this no, to him. It's, um, look, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, and the flu, the, the strain keeps changing. That's the thing. You know, every time they think they've got, you know, they've tackled all these different strains, something else comes along that's bigger and better. And this has been happening for hundreds of thousands of years. The flu is, flu is a nasty thing. But isn't that a bit like antibiotics? That the, the more antibiotics we give and use, the, the mutant... Um, infections just become smarter. Yeah. So we, we can become, keep we, we can keep the, yeah we build up a resistance. Yep. So we need to get back to to natural remedies rather than because this is why I always argue with yep. the flu shot. I go, you know what? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Particularly when I use that analogy in my head with with you know antibiotic resistance, which you know they're predicting is going to be the most yep. epidemic thing that we ever face and, yep. and has the the potential to wipe out humanity yeah look i'd i wouldn't disagree you know um we are becoming more and more resistant um i'm, I'm not the person to have the discussion because i don't know enough about the natural remedies versus pharmaceuticals Pharmaceuticals, yeah. um, i've been very very heavily um Mainstream. Well, I've, I'm on a lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah, at the well, I think so, this is where keeping me alive. traditional medicine, and I, I always talk about this stuff respectfully. My mum and dad, yep. both doctors. Right. You know, mum's dead, but, you know, dad was a doctor. My brother's a doctor and one of the greatest people I've ever met, and does heart transplants. You wow. know, he's an anesthetist. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. But I also, on the flip side. Still going? Your dad? Dad's like, not, no. Dad's right. unfortunately got Alzheimer's, same as my oh, mum. Okay. Mum died of Alzheimer's. Dad tragically cared for her. You know, he was an ethodist too, but wow. palliative care doctor cared for her. That's, and then, That's not right, is it? That's not fair. It's so not right. You know, you know God-fearing, beautiful human beings, never right. partied, never just lived a normal... Like, this is, this is the thing, you know, when you talk to someone like you that has faced death straight in the face and probably continues to on a daily basis is... What's the right course of action? You know, you're sitting here drinking a watermelon juice and I'm having a beer. Part of me wants to be you. <laughs> part of me wants to be you And part of you too, wants to be me. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing, isn't it? Like what's It's, what, it's what's such an indiscriminate large? thing. And yeah. then hearing that story and what you just said about your mum and dad um, just reinforces for me what I see every day that I'm in St. Vincent's. You know, good things happen to bad people. And um, for some reason it just seems to happen to... Did I say good things happen to bad people? Yeah. I meant bad things happen, happen to, to good, good people. people. Yeah. That's the worst, too much watermelon too in this juice. No good for um, you, man. Because you, I, I see it every day, and, and uh, Paul, you want to feel good about yourself, go, to go and spend some time, time. at St. Vincent's, yeah. and you go oh. and, and see these families on the worst day of their lives, and then you see these beautiful people that are in that building that just deal with this on an hourly, on a daily, mm. on a weekly, yearly basis, and their job is just to make lives a little bit more bearable. Um, it's, yeah, it's an amazing it's, it's That's where my brother works. Yeah, he's at he Vinnie's. does. Yeah. 
Okay. You know? So that's what I said to you when I first heard that that, that this yeah. had happened, that... You know, maybe you'll be your anethetist. But, mate, back I to... I hope so. Yeah, he's, incre- he's incredible, man. If, if he is, his he's, only job is to wake me yeah, up. That's all He's like I a rock star doctor, Just wake man. me he's up. Fucking, that's, and that's the only thing I'm going to say. That's his only job every just day, man. Just wake me up. Put yeah. him to sleep and wake him up, man. One yeah, job. I know. Or two. I, I know, two. Put yeah. him to sleep. Back to... So, you got the flu. So got the flu. Put me into that permanent state of atrial fibrillation yeah. and... And when I say permanent, I was in it for weeks. So over that period of time, I just got sicker and sicker. Now I kept putting it down to the flu. I, I saw a cardiologist at the time. So pain in your chest? Nope, not at that point no. in time. Just tired and breathless. Um, Why'd you see a cardiologist then? Because it because I knew breathless. my heart was irregular. Oh, you could feel the beat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And so breathless, but without the pain yeah. at that point in time. And so they did a procedure called a cardioversion, which is essentially a, it's like a planned defibrillation. So they have pads on your front and pads on your back. Uh, they put you to sleep and they shock you to, mm. to kind of shock your heart back into a sinus rhythm. So they did that three times and failed to get me out of AF, atrial fibrillation. Um, I'll, go, I'll say AF, AF from now on yeah, if that's okay, because I'm going to stumble my way through, through it. Yeah. Um, so they failed to do that. They And the way the cardiologist at the time described it is you're not going to get out of AF while you've got the flu and you're not going to lose the flu while you're in AF. It's a vicious circle. One's wow. feeding the other, which is back and, and feeding it back in yeah. reverse. So that was the way it was explained to me. It was kind of go home, take it easy. We need to give it some time. In my case, it was like a month. They had to, they before they could schedule me back into... I won't give the name of the hospital, but it was my local hospital. It wasn't yeah. St. Vincent's where I ended up. Um, I actually took myself in uh, as that month wore on and I knew that I had this planned cardioversion coming up. At that point, I was getting sicker and sicker. So I couldn't breathe. I was walking 50 metres and having to stop, walk, stop, walk, stop. Um, and, and, and at this stage, sorry to interrupt, man, you were just living with your son, Henry? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I live on my own and my boy's with me week on, week off. Must have been so, frightening to the point of petrified for him. At that point, he it didn't wasn't. understand no, it. No. Well, neither of us did. We didn't yeah. know. I just had the flu. And I was expecting that in the middle of November when I had this next cardioversion planned that they were going it, to – it's instant. Yeah. So I was going to walk out of the hospital that afternoon with my heart in sinus rhythm, feeling like a million bucks. And we were actually going out to dinner, Henry and I, that night on the Tuesday night um, to have a special dinner to celebrate being normal again. So this is this is where we left it. On the Monday, I couldn't walk and I felt like I had an elephant sitting on my chest. It was very painful and very targeted and specific. I said to the to doctors at the time that I could draw a, a ring around where it hurt. It was, yeah. um, took myself back into my local hospital and to the ER and they did some tests and things and sent me home again wow. and said, come back tomorrow. We've got your cardio version just wait. It's just the flu. Just go home and rest. At no stage was any drugs or anything prescribed. Just go home and rest. It's still the flu. I was thinking, oh, this is a long flu. This is a nasty flu. And, and yeah. there was something else wrong. So I went back. I couldn't even walk. I live across the road from this hospital. I couldn't walk across the road to the hospital at that stage. So my sister came and picked me up. They did another three cardioversions. All three failed again. But they were about to discharge me again, and I had I had my boots on. I had the cannula out of my arm, and I had my boots on, and I was about to go home. And my sister pleaded with this doctor and said, 
can you just like there's something not right yeah what is this thing in his chest and this one particular doctor said hmm, tell me more about that so he listened finally and they got me a bed for the night did a stack of tests um angiogram and uh echoes and all sorts of things yeah. discovered that i was in end stage heart failure i'd had severe the way i described it i had severe severe cardiomyopathy and at that point, I'm still joking around. I said, oh, too severe, you know. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> I was joking around right up to the point. Um, but then I Which, was told... What does, what does that actually mean? Like, is, as, you, as, as your valve closed... Your heart's or, dying. Your heart's dying. Yep, yep. So the muscle of the heart or yep. the, the, the valves yep, and the, no, the, 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 muscle, the muscle itself? Kind of everything. It's, so it's, not, it's not an arterial disease. Yeah. Uh, my arteries were great, but the muscle itself was dying. So this, and again, if there's any medical professionals listening to this, I could be way off, but it, it's yeah. a mus- it is a muscular thing. It's a degenerative disease. Uh, it's a lot of the time it's hereditary. Now, l- let me give you a bit of backstory at this point in time. So I was in this hospital. They just told me that I'd had severe cardiomyopathy, which is essentially it's called viral myocarditis, which is cardiomyopathy brought on by a virus, in my case, the flu. Mm. 1991, my mother got the flu got cardiomyopathy, had a stroke, and died. She was my age. Same age, exactly. Same, uh, within a year. Yeah. In the same hospital. So I, uh, that when, when they came out and said cardiomyopathy, that was our, that was our C word. I was yeah. with my sister. You know, that was our version of cancer. Yeah. Um, and I got, at that point, I stopped joking. I got a little bit emotional. They, they, at that point, if they couldn't stabilise me, they told me I had two days to live. Um, like full now, palliative care? like two, pr- That was it. No palliative care at that point in time. I was just... But not, I mean in so far as last rites. They, we didn't discuss any of that at this stage. Just, um, now, I also my son had come to visit me and he was hiding behind the curtain when I'd off getting an angiogram. Henry's I, 14, Henry's, yeah. He was 13, 13 at the time, yeah. yep. So they've wheeled me back into the room. He's jumped out. Surprise, Dad. I'm chatting with him and, you know, acting the goat, trying to make light. I still hadn't had the prognosis at that stage. Mm. Um, and that's when the doctor came in and said, Jaden, I need to talk to you. And I was just about to say... That's all right. Everyone can just talk to me. This is a cardiologist? Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that he was kind of serious. serious. So I asked everybody to leave. Yeah. So that's when he told me. Um, I I What did he tell you? So you got two days. Severe, yeah. Yeah. I said, uh, well, that was when my sister came in. I know it might have been then. I'm a little bit vague. (laughs) Understandably. Um, To be honest, I I did get upset. I stopped joking around and um, I, I pulled the sheet up over my face um, cried. I didn't want him to see me crying yep and then I ha- apologized profusely for being a sook but um, very it, it, it just male. it was all a little bit too real but I yeah. still couldn't process it I still couldn't come to terms with what he was saying what do you feel man like I've, I've clearly I've never been in that situation where someone's told you not maybe but you're gonna die in two yeah. days like yeah. what is is it that because my dad always said, my dad was a palliative care doctor, and he always said to me, the thing that most people regret most on their deathbed are the relationships they didn't end and the relationships they didn't mend. Right. Which all sounds really yeah. rhythmical and, and quaint, but I, I always wonder, what does that mean for someone that's stared it in the face? It's uh, I couldn't comprehend it at that point in time. I, I knew Henry was outside, and he's... 
he's a 13-year-old kid. He's trying to listen in. Mm. So he's picking up little bits and pieces. I asked the doctor to go and bring my sister in and I couldn't tell her. I couldn't speak. Um, it's just the two of you, siblings? It was just the two of us, yep. Like there's yep. no other siblings, I mean? No other siblings, yep. no. Yep. Um, my dad's still around. Um, and Where was he? He he wasn't at the hospital. He's in Sydney, um, but he wasn't there at that stage. Bear in mind, we just thought it was the flu still as well. We had no idea about this. Dad came in the next day and I will never forget the look on his face because he's already seen his wife, our mum, die die from the same thing in the same hospital. Um, And a little backstory on Dad was a few years after Mum died, he met a beautiful woman. She was really, really lovely. And two years into the marriage, she got cancer and he nursed her through to her dying in their bed. So he's been widowed twice. And, and Dad's a remarkable person. He's a very positive. It's too much pain it's for one person, you know. It? And then your but, son. And, and Henry, yeah. Yeah. You know, Dad, Dad taught us, I think, watching him over the last 25 years, 30 years, whatever it is, um, you know, we deal with things with humour. And you know, we take the piss. That's yeah. that's kind of that's my defence mechanism. I go straight to, you know, sarcasm and taking the piss. Sometimes it's not a good thing, but you know, he he taught us that there's through humour and and perspective. Definitely perspective, having yeah. a good healthy perspective on life, um, that you can find a bit of joy, you can find a bit of light in you know Anything. the darkest of moments. You yeah. know, and so I've I've always had that. Inherent in me, I guess, and I was still looking for the light at this right at this time to the point where I, I asked for Henry to come back in, yeah. and I didn't tell him, I didn't want him to know. And I dried my eyes, and I said to Brooke, my sister, I don't want, I need to, I need to process this before I can yeah. possibly say anything to Henry. Is Brooke older? She's younger. She's three younger? years younger. And m- medical training? She no. said no, just. No. No, she's just a remarkable person. Yeah. <laughs> that knew her brother well, obviously. That she's yeah. my best mate, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, beautiful. So she, she was amazing. And so I just said, I, 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 can't, I can't, I don't even know what to tell Henry. I don't know. I can't be having this conversation when I've not processed it myself. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to tell him any of that. I put on a brave face and we laughed and chatted about school for about an hour. Um, it was it was a horrific long hour. Yeah. Um, Brooke couldn't speak, you know, she just, she's processing all of this in her mm. mind and then watching me try and forget everything that I've just been told five minutes ago. What is going through your mind though, Joe? Uh, mate, you know what? I, I, in that moment, I was focused 100%. I wasn't thinking about anything other than Henry. Yeah. And uh, every smile, every, every we chatted about everything. Um, and, you know, I was, I was, I felt bad that he wasn't with me because it was my week, so I had to get back to his mum, and um, I was feeling bad about that stuff. Didn't enter my head. Honestly, didn't ment- didn't enter my head. When he left, it suddenly dawned on me as I was saying goodbye that that could be the last time I ever see him. So that, <laughs> sorry, that was um, that was hard. And and then that night, oh, that was a long night. I didn't get any sleep, no sleep. that night because no. I was trying to process. Um, I had friends texting me and. Um, a lot going on and I just I couldn't talk to anyone I just I needed to get my head around what what was what was going on but I I also refused to believe that that was it like okay this can't be it yeah right so okay so you've given me the bad news I get it um let's come up with a plan yeah now at that point in time I will be very grateful for two things that this hospital did the first thing at that on that day they 
instigated a dialogue with St Vincent's Hospital. Yeah. Um, in Why? Because they're the heart transplant. They're the heart experts. transplant guys. Yeah. They're, they're. I think they're the best in the world. They they're, are the they best are in the world. Absolute pioneers. They are yeah. just brilliant. Um, and they're on our doorstep, man. We, you know, we live in a great country and a great city, and we have the best facilities available yeah. to us. So they started a dialogue with St Vincent's, and St Vincent said, "Okay, um, you know, assuming I, I'm still around, <laughs> we will try to get him transported to St Vincent's as quickly as possible." Uh, the next day, I crashed really badly. My kidneys dropped. My liver, um, I lost my liver. Uh, Literally, everything. they took it out. No, no, sorry, it, it stopped it, this, functioning. It basically, stopped functioning. The human That's because body, the the blood's not yeah, circulating. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't getting the blood. And the human body's brilliant because, excuse my crude vernacular, but. What the body does is your heart's in trouble, and that's that's the engine. Yeah. And all your other body parts, they all kind of know what's going on. So it's like, okay, boys, heart's in trouble. Let's pull back. We don't need, you as know. Much so fuel. your kidneys pull back, your liver pulls back. But the minute you lose, I mean, they're two of the most important organs yeah. also. So everything just crashed, and they escalated it. The, this beautiful professor that was there, she... Um, she said, right, we're escalating this right now. Uh, now, this all happened very, very quickly, and it's the worst memory that I have out of this whole mm. scenario. Um, this was on the Saturday. My sister was there, only my sister, no one else. Um, they rushed me down into ICU. They cleared out ICU. This is at RPA, not Vinnie's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've said the hospital, but there you go. <laughs> I must have said it. Um, yeah, look, they, they... No, I think I think I just put two and two together because you live in Camper now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, they, look, they, they, did a, they did a great job and they, uh, they, they escalated, they got me into ICU. Yeah. Um, cleared ICU out and they put me on to... They, they kept talking to me about a pump. And they were going to put me on a pump that was going to allow my organs to rest and then I could sleep. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I was so tired. I've been, I've been vomiting for two days and I, was, I, was, I hadn't slept. And no I was, food, just other just IV? I was IV. I couldn't. Yeah. I, was, I was just really sick. I was not in a great way and I couldn't breathe. Um, and not being able to breathe is actually this, one of the scariest things for me. Mm. It's just, it, it's awful. So uh, I, I was not in a great way and I was so tired and I just wanted to sleep at that point in time. Um, so when they talked about this machine, it's called ECMO. Please don't ask me what that stands for. It's it's a big name, yeah. <laughs> but it's incredible. And it's, and it's highly invasive. It's, it, was, it was described to me afterwards as the last resort of life support. Yeah. So it's a machine they put in, you know, hoses up, through your groin yeah. and it kind of exits out through your stomach and it, and it takes over the job of kind of everything. It oxygenates the blood outside of your body. Um, so ECMO is a very short-term prognosis for people who are, uh, uh, you know, have got one foot through death's door. They're, they're yeah. beyond knocking. Um, now, normally when you get to the point of ECMO, you're unconscious. You're so sick that you're, you're not conscious. I was... Because I crashed so quickly, I was still conscious. I'm still mm. chatting away. I'm still, you know, um, compass mentis. So they they actually put me onto full life support, onto this ECMO, while I was awake. So I, the, the scariest moment I have in this whole scenario was lying 
with all the bells and whistles and everything going off around me in ICU, people running everywhere, and it's every, it's like everything you see on television that's shouting and screaming. Mm. And I, I don't know whether it was because I was put on a wake and they hadn't done it before, I hadn't seen it done before, but there was it was like I was in a theatre. There was all these people behind. I, I just remember seeing all these people lined up behind watching what was going on. And I saw my sister and I said, look after my boy. And she was distraught. And then Has was, she got kids? No. 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 So she was, and she was kind of taken out of the room. Yeah. And I just remember looking down and just thinking, my God, that's a lot of blood. And then go, oh, that's, that's my blood. It was a very surreal moment, but it was frightening. Uh, and that's my last memory. That was, that was it. So that was, that was life support. That was on the Saturday. Um, they knew they it really you've got five or six days on ECMO. Now we don't know Max. Max. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not a it's um it's very, very risky and it and it creates all sorts of other complications and of risks. Course. You know, you can get a clot uh, very, very simply. And I got a clot but you know, whatever the universe was looking after me, I got a clot outside of my body and in the machine. What do you mean you got a clot outside so a clot, of your body? A blood clot, and but it, it was a blood clot in the tube, yeah, outside of my body, not inside my body. Now, to give you an example, oh, so the tube's outside of where it goes out, into you. I'm with you. Okay, yeah, yeah. Outside I'm into with this you. massive machine that's down near my feet. So they could intervene. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, and it clotted before it got back into my body. So, uh, um, just an awful story. Um, someone in Brisbane just recently had the same thing: viral myocarditis, um, got the flu with the family family recovered she never recovered ended up on ECMO as well um, and then was a day into ECMO and she got a clot but it was inside her leg so they had to amputate her leg oh um, and sadly she passed away as well so um, to, she was waiting for a heart emergency listed but her heart didn't come in time so it's you know it's serious business and I'm glad we didn't know at the time but we've been looking at all sorts of stats and things like that and the chances of getting off, uh, off ECMO aren't good what are they? Uh, reading some stats, it's hard to find stats in Australia. Yeah. Reading on stat, reading stats in America, uh, up to ninety percent of people don't make it. Don't make it. Yeah, yeah. Well. it's a it's a highly invasive, very last resort, um, and they only do ECMO in I think two places in it's St Vincent's and RPA. So uh, thank God. No one was on the machine. They took a risk. They took a gamble because I was still awake. There were some advantages, apparently, of keeping me awake throughout the whole process. Um, thankfully, the anaesthetist did his job, and I yeah. can't remember anything beyond that initial moment of, yeah. of going under. Um, the nurses walked out grey, apparently, and just and looked at my sister and said, didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, but he was amazing, did it. So... Sorry, I'm rabbiting on here. No, I'm, I'm. Before you go any further, though, Joe, I'm. I'm super curious to understand. Like, I know you had faith. You don't believe that what the doctors are telling you is true. You've got Henry there. He's 13. That that's your main focus. What else goes through your head when 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 you literally are looking at death in the face? Regrets? No. No, no, no. I have a. I don't have a single regret. Yeah. I really don't. Um, I'm not even trying to put a positive spin on it. I, I uh, my You've attitude has well and truly been live life with no regrets. Yeah, no, absolutely. What about forward thinking? If I get through this, then I'm, and you fill in the blank. 
any massive changes right now? That you, no like or no back, back, back then the t- man wasn't thinking that what far it ahead. was too yeah. intense i just wanted to sleep wanted to sleep I wanted yeah. to go to sleep okay and then when i woke up i'd deal with it yeah you know wow. i deal with the next challenge okay um, interesting so one thing this thing has taught me is um i've never been much of a planner anyway i don't have structure in my life i'm i'm messy i'm, You're I'm fucking I'm, creative I'm a man mad stupid creative yeah. you know i can't help it. film yeah yeah it is so it's 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 very hard to kind of keep me on a path anyway yeah you know i'm sure there's a bit of adhd or one of the one of the d's yeah in there somewhere because you know i'll be literally i look a puppy and i'll be <laughs> yeah. so i that's probably a good thing it's probably sheltered me from a little bit too much overthinking when it comes to this um at that point in time, now I really, I can't say that, I, I had the conversation with my ex-wife, Henry's mum, yep. and I talked to her for about an hour about the things that I'd put in place. I Are you friends? Insurance. Um, we're friendly. Friendly? Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I've, I, and I don't want to, if she listens to this, I don't want to say that as in a in a derogatory but, yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I get it. There's, like, there's a reason we're not together, and um, she's a wonderful mum for Henry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's dealt with things in her way. Um um, and has always tried to do the best thing. Has this brought you closer together? Um, no. No? No. Um, Love the honesty. I think, oh, look, I'm being completely honest. Um, for, and I, the example is that I think I th- she she was generally upset when, when I was sick and she honestly thought I was going to die. She had yeah. the conversation with Henry that I was going to die. Um her way of dealing with that is was to try and shelter Henry from that pain. Yeah. So she took him away. Um, Which was the worst thing for you. It's the worst thing. Well, I can deal with myself. It yeah. actually turned out to be the worst thing for Henry. Henry, yeah. Um, because he was devastated. And he didn't see me for... I, I, I didn't see him from the middle of November through till almost the end of December. Wow. But... Uh, That's cruel. I'm big and ugly enough to t- tie my own shoelaces. I was sending him videos, and they had a trip booked as well. She took him to Africa, but I guess in the back of my mind, I'm, I was thinking if, if if something did happen and if I I did die, uh, Henry was not going to be. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would have affected Henry. And thank thank you that uh, to the powers the of be that it didn't. It, we didn't have to go there, but. Um, the thing I did, okay, I said I live life with no regrets. The thing that I wish had happened at that point in time is that Henry was part of that recovery process because in 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 all of this that's happened, um, uh, there's been so many doors that have closed. And the one thing, the one lesson I think if I could give to Henry is that just have a crack, mate. Just yeah. always have a crack, and don't. And you know, everyone's going to say no, and everyone's going to block you and 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 stop you from doing these things. And sometimes for a good reason. Um, but but don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And that's something that I've proven mm. now because I'm still here annoying people. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't part <laughs> of that wrong. early process, you know. Yeah. And it was one step at a time. It was quite literally one step at a time. Yeah, I was in a coma for three weeks. Um, and by the life time, support three life weeks. Life support. So life support. I'll go back to when we when they got me to St Vincent's. They decided so that uh, ECMO. They put you in a coma, effectively, yes. an induced coma. Yes. And then they transport you to to Vinnie's. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They took me you. in, and from from that moment, my life was in their yeah, hands. Was in their hands, and yeah. I, I couldn't. Who was the cardiologist at Vinnie's? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, Peter, Professor Peter McDonald, and and Chris Haywood. Okay. They're the two kind of head professors that that look after. Well, they're the head of 
the transplant unit, I think mm-hmm. it's in Vincent's, and the head of um, research heart transplant at Victor uh, Chang, Chang Institute yeah. as well. Kind of two of the most ridiculously smart people in the world and yeah. two of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. They're just, they're, you know, they're the most caring, genuine, wonderful, wonderful people. And then you've got everyone kind of down from there. So all of the cardiologists that are there, the transplant coordinators, you know, the nurses in ICU and up on the wards, you know, that is a special, special, it place. A special place. It's in yeah. Vincent's. Um, so I couldn't have, you know, oh my God, I landed on my feet. Yeah. Um, and, and bear in mind too, they took me in and I was a slab of meat. I was unconscious. They, they didn't know who I am. They didn't know I could, you know, talk underwater. And yeah. I, they didn't know what my mental aptitude was, whether or not I was, you know, they had to ask all these questions before they'd consider the next step just to make sure that I was worth putting the time and energy yeah. into. They had to assess what my mental capacity was like um, with my sister. And my yeah. sister did one hell of a sales job because yeah. she got them to, to, to invest in massively yeah. in every sense, invest in me. But I was a slab of meat. I was unresponsive. Do you remember anything from when you were in that coma for three weeks? Um, yes, but not uh, not from the outside world as such. I don't remember. What was it? Because have you ever read that book, Proof of Heaven? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I haven't. But someone else the, has asked me the about concept. It. Yeah, yeah, because it's fa- and and like of it, that was a true story too yeah. of a medical doctor that got. Um, What's it called? Meningococcal, I think it was, right. and was in a coma and adults with that disease, as I understand, the yep. most layman of it's all just... medical people. Yeah, they're not coming out. Yep. And long story short, he'd been adopted when he was very young because his parents didn't have the money. They went on to have other children. American dude. He, when the, the laws were relaxed in America because they were draconian for a long time, once you're adopted, you never found out who your biological parents were. He went to see his parents, met them, blah, blah, blah. When he subsequently was in this coma, there were all these butterflies flying around and they all had faces and none of the faces did he recognize at all. But he finally came, a bit like you, Jay, that... Ultimately, he survived against all odds. He came out. He decided he wanted to go back and meet the rest of his siblings. And he went back. And when he arrived into his parents' home, like he'd been raised by beautiful parents himself, but his biological parents, that there was a photo on their mantle of his sister. And that face was on the butterfly. Beautiful. Yeah, amazing. So I'm really curious to hear about... What you dreamt, because it is a dream in, it is. for all intents and purposes, but, but, but maybe this is a dream too. It's as real as you and I sitting here, so maybe yeah. it is. Yeah, but maybe yeah. this this is what someone said to me, like this trippy mate I've got, <laughs> psychedelic <laughs> adventurer, man. <laughs> but how do you know? I know. How do you know this isn't a dream and when we go to sleep that that's real that's life? That's real, yeah. Oh, fuck, Interesting man. concept. You are a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, they 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 like you know they like to put a label on everything. They call it delirium, um, you know, and you're on some pretty substantial drugs at that yeah. point in time. But I, I was asleep. Actually, the one question I get all the time is um, because I did flatline in surgery for a couple of minutes before they were ready for me. You know, basically when they. Um, and I'll get into this in a minute, but when they des- decided on the course of action and the surgery and to implant me with a thing called an LVAD, it's a left ventricular assist device. It's basically an, an artificial heart. Is that what you've got here in That's front of you? That's what I've got in front yeah. of me, yeah. Um, 
So in that surgery, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's major surgery and they don't like doing it um, under emergency conditions. You know, there's a big work up to this to make sure that you're physically ready, uh, just like a heart transplant. So to get onto the heart transplant later, uh, list, it's, it's laborious. It's quite mm. a long process. And so to be in the workup for an LVAD, uh, which is this heart, um, it's the same deal. But I didn't have an option. It was this or death. So, um, and they had, the clock was ticking, it was Monday, and they had till Friday, so to, to come up with a solution. Um, so in that, in that surgery, I did flatline, um, and a lot of people asked me if I saw a light, or if I, yeah. you know, um, I had so many visions in that three-week period that, um, you know, I, don't, I can't pinpoint what particular uh, images happened at what particular time. Um, now I had some serious stuff. Like I had, I was sitting in rooms and the walls would turn into sand. And this little Sandman guy that was, that was made of sand also would just crawl, look like Gollum, and he yeah. would crawl down the walls like this and come up to me. And it sounds freaky, but it wasn't. He became my friend yeah. because it was it was all kind of circling um, visions. It was, mm. it was all this imagery, but it kept reoccurring. So he'd come up and he'd see me, and I'd and I'd look at him and I'd go, ah. Oh, here he is, you know, he was my friend. Mm. And then I'd be, next thing I'd be sitting in the desert and I'd and this liquid would be coming up through the rocks, you know, seeping out of the rocks. And then I was in LA and I was in a, um, I was in a cable car that was in the shape of a giant red golf ball being taken up a hill and I was looking out over LA. Um, I was visited by my mum at one point in time. She didn't say anything, but she came and she just... Her, her face came close to mine mm. and she kind of just, you know, rocked, didn't a, talk. rocked her head back and forth, didn't talk, yeah. and then went away. And I was, I was, that, that was probably the freakiest thing because I wanted her to say something. Yeah. I was going, Mum, what, what, what? And she just kind of backed away. Um, Incredible. You know, and then uh, is this an MA15 <laughs> podcast? No. It's not. It's not. No, a, you can say whatever you oh, want. Oh, really? Man. Beautiful. Yeah. I was going to say because there was this one thing. And and I laugh about it because for some reason one of my visions I was in a in an apartment above an old terrace shop in Brisbane. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Never been in an apartment, but I knew it was in Brisbane. And in my in my state, in my dream, I'd been there before. And I was sitting in a room with four hookers. Yeah. Who were all clothed. Um, and I was watching them cut up lines of cocaine, and yeah. they were just laughing. They weren't doing it. I wasn't doing it. I didn't even. I wasn't saying a word. I was just watching this play out. Wow. And I figure when people ask me if I saw a light, I think that's if a light, that, if, if that's heaven, I've got no qualms. <laughs> heaven is a half fight, I'm, man. I'm kind of See, this is this. To it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right, man. That's just you, you projecting. I, so it's, it sounds completely wrong, but that doesn't sound wrong at all, man. In all honesty, it was one perfectly of good my visions, me. and I just laugh. I just think, well, if that's what heaven looks like, then I'm not scared at all. This is what I wonder with that stuff, <laughs> and why I'm so fascinated by psychedelics. You know, psilocybin and, and edible pot and yep. LSD and all those kinds of things is that what happens in these states of near-death experience or pure joy when people are skydiving yep. or surfing big waves yep. or big mountain skiing or whatever it happens to be is that euphoria yep. that you get that, you know, other drugs that... that are restrictive whether it's alcohol or cocaine and those things as opposed to and, and there's a bunch of research coming out on on psychedelics which is why i don't mind talking about them even in australia where they're illegal despite 
you know, we can sit here and drink beer and yeah, exactly. smoke cigarettes, the most deadly yeah. drugs on, drugs yeah, on the planet. I but know. Don't you dare take pot or no, do a mushroom. Don't have no, absolutely. But I wonder the connection in terms of what's being pumped through your brain at that time mm. that's taking you to those unbelievably heavenly places. Yep. It was, you know, your mum, hookers, yeah. cocaine. Can I say, I've, I've been doing a lot of reading on this as well, and um, I would say vast, vast majority, 98% of the cases that I've read are, are quite scary, you know, actually terrifying experiences. Near-death experiences, yeah. yeah. People describe being being held down, being raped. Um, they describe really awful, awful things. And, and for whatever reason, I had none of that. My whole... Homer experience, the dreams, at least what I can remember, who, I, I don't know what was happening at the time, was pleasant. But that's because you've lived, Jay. Like, Maybe, I don't know. No, 100%, man. And, like, and I think that's the biggest of, thing. Like, yeah. the reason you're, and like, fuck, I don't know, but the whole thing with people dying isn't the sad thing. It's the fact that they haven't lived. And I think for Maybe, people yeah. that are dying that haven't lived, then... Like, that's what they're going to see. You didn't take the handbrake off. You didn't have a crack. You live within these painfully, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, sure. You know, not success as Hollywood defines it, but whether it's love or living where you truly want to live or being who you truly want to be, gay, straight, whatever it happens to be. So, mate, that sounds completely rational to me. (sighs) I've not thought about it from that perspective, but you you might be right. and I've never defined myself around those kind of things anyway. I've never labels, you know. Yeah. And and to this day, I refuse to be defined by this machine and the predicament and and the 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 events of the last twelve months, three hundred ninety-one days. Um, I've I do. I was going to say I do nothing different to what I did prior. I, I do everything different to what I did yeah, prior because I've got this do. massive sense of gratitude and um, every day is a victory. But um, but still, never defined by career or even love you know I, I'm not someone who needs to have someone in my life to feel fulfilled yeah, or like of I don't need to have a career to feel like I'm contributing to society or anything like that um, yeah. you know these are the messages that I give to Henry you know if you, you don't ask you don't dance that's that's my big one and, yeah. and my mum said to me on a birthday card that I got after she died um, make the best of all experiences good and bad and don't ever compromise on your dreams uh, I've definitely tried to live my life like that lost track of what my dreams actually were along the way because I couldn't tell you. It just yeah. everything became, you know, I was so busy kind of giving the middle finger to society and the re- and what the world expected of me that I actually kind of lost sight of what, yeah, which a lot of us do, what my yeah. purpose on this planet is yeah. for. But Have you re-found that through oh, this yeah. experience? Yeah, absolutely. Define it for me. Right now, um, it's probably specific to me like I can't give a uh, like an overall it's only to you man. yeah yeah so I, I like I'm a storyteller I, yeah I, you're a filmmaker um, musician I've been doing it for yeah. 30 years and you know back in the day I went to film school and um, and I always wanted to tell stories at, the, at that time it was going to be through music I wanted to be a film composer um, but then got distracted ended up writing advertising jingles touring with bands and I, I lived on the five-star piano hotel circuit for five years like playing cocktail piano six nights a week yeah so i got distracted from away from the thing you know oh look a puppy there you go that was that so yeah. five years down the track i always said if i get to the point where i called music a job that i'd give it away and i'd probably pass that point and did another couple of years yeah um, you know i was at the sheraton on the park and 
had this piss businessman that was hassling me to play American Pie. Oh my and God. I just, he was so arrogant and so nasty and thought he could buy me slapping a $20 note down on the piano. That uh, of I, all I, the I didn't songs, say yeah. anything. I know <laughs> exactly. Come, come on, dude. come up with a good one. Oh, I don't mind American Pie, but it's no, not as a not, solo piano not, not when it's requested. Maybe no. it was Pretty Woman or someone. It was but an arrogant. Yeah, he was just arrogant and thought that he owned me. And at that point, I didn't say anything. I just took a deep breath and I closed the piano lid and I got up and walked away. And that was that was the last gig I did. Yeah. Um, the last several years, I've I've just I've been in corporate video and advertising. So it's been great. Again, not complaining whatsoever. I just I found myself in that word and world, and I was treading water, and I was earning money, and and you know then I'd blow it, and I'd go and get another gig. And yeah. I've never, as I say, I've, I've I've had some good clients and that over the years. But yeah. and I've and I've also been trying to pitch, you know, edgy stories. You know, try and push the envelope a little bit, get some of these corporates and and advertisers to think outside the box a little bit. So I've yeah. been pushing buttons, but always, you know no no let's not go too far let's play it safe yeah. so I, I have been treading water a little bit um, and the production side of the business was taking over more which is less creative mm. um, you know it's the pushing buttons it's a standing behind the camera to editing and all that sort of stuff mm. it was becoming process driven and I was losing my creativity completely so what what has happened since I've, I've packed up my studio this year um, and I've just been focusing on the writing, but not just like I've been. I've written some, I think some some good stories, and I'm happy with them. And it's an evolving process. But I've got some scripts out there at the moment that I think are going to do okay. But you know, this morning I wrote a script on male suicide. I've written a script on um, domestic violence, uh, texting while driving. I've, I've, I want to start another campaign where I'm. Uh, I want to go and um, lobby. Uh, state government for to have little hygiene stations on every bus, for example, because the flu is something that you know we most people don't think about it, but for some reason in Australia there's a stigma around people wearing a, a, a face a mask. mask. Yeah, and it, it, I find it ridiculous that you sit on a bus and there's 30 people on that bus and there's one person, one selfish prick who thought that he was a hero, been going to work because he had the flu. Yeah. And there's 29 other people. Some might be elderly, some might be young, some might be fragile, some might have a suppressed immune system like yeah. I'm about to do. If I sit next to the wrong bus, a uh, wrong person on a bus after I get my heart transplant, I could be dead in two days because I've not got an immune system anymore to fight it. All because this prick's decided that no, no, I'm tougher than this. I'm going to work when I've got the flu. Yeah. There's a, there's this, this. Feeling around it that now in Japan, if you're if you're sitting on a bus and you've got a cough, you are absolutely you're the Put one that's got on. the thing. Yeah. I find it ridiculous that 29 people on the bus that don't want to get sick, the onus of responsibility to not get sick is on them mm. to wear a mask, not the asshole that's sitting there coughing up a lung. Yeah. So I want to start a campaign, and and it's not just the coughing that's like five percent of it, but it's you know that cough in the hand, they touch their rails, then you touch your rails, then you touch your eye, next minute you're sick. Yeah. So it's just you know little things like that have some um, some alcohol and uh, maybe a mask and some tissues, um, just accessible. So little things like that, little yeah. little things that I'm hoping can improve. And is that the same with the suicide and domestic violence? Yep. They're short stories. Just short to stories that I think could be very powerful, um, very very powerful um, scripts and very very powerful stories if done the right way. That have the um, have the that 
that will go viral yeah. if they're done right. Yeah. Um, so storytelling with a purpose. With a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's my thing. Mm. So the domestic violence, is it yep. something like Once Were Warriors, like that long form? <laughs> to, to, so I'm, I'll, I'll pitch it. And if someone wants to steal my idea, they can do it yep. because I think it'll actually be a good thing. Yeah. Or maybe from, someone will hear it and fund it. Uh, either way. Yeah. If it, I think if it you know, gets... I, you know, it's an interesting thing you say. People always worry about people stealing ideas. Here's my theory on that in this mm. world is that people are so fucking hopeless with executing <laughs> on anything that NDAs and confidentiality agreements, they're worthless. They're worthless yeah, they're because worthless. most people, there was someone with the idea for Facebook, ignoring MySpace too, but yeah. someone else that had the idea that just didn't have the drive of Mark Zuckerberg yeah. or the mongrel or the yeah whatever it was. The so contacts, Don't anything. worry about it, man. No, I'm not at all. Like yeah. this, these are, this is a, I think this is a story that needs to be told. This came from long weekend or the last weekend of September where you've got all of the football finals yeah at, and at the same time there was uh, an MMA fight yeah. Conor McGregor I think it was and then there was the big Mallee outside of the ring and there was something else that was going on and in the paper there was the top half a dozen stories were all sports sport, yeah. sport 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 it's the country we live in and then down halfway down the page there was a story about how six women had died in the last five days domestic from violence. domestic violence yeah um that made me sick. I just thought the priorities that we have in this country are r- ridiculous. Now, Definitely. You know, um, and the, the the funding that's going to it and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, is they're knocking down a perfectly good footy stadium up here <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. building a two or three million dollar new stadium. Because they can. Because they can. Billion. While, yeah, yeah, a billion. Yeah, 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 a billion. Sorry, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that, so that idea, that, that was born on this weekend. Um, so the th- this story is set in an MA... MMA ring it, 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 I shouldn't use that because it's a brand it's set in an octagon yeah um, and it's industrial and it's and it's it's very visceral yeah this, this script so there's 300 people and it's an old factory and it's you know it's like the it's it's like fight club but organized and then you see there's a build-up to a big fight there's a big fight that's coming on a big event and there's there's families and grandmothers with their grandkids and there's every single member of society is is represented yeah. every, every demographic is represented and they're buying t-shirts and earrings and it's and it's called the kill zone and you see this mother actually pulling a t-shirt down over the head of a little toddler with the kill zone on it. And then you've got a totes board up there that's got, you know, black eye, one to three, you know, all the way down to um, brain death and then death, coma. Um, and you can, and there's odds and you can get, you know, I'll, I'll put $10 on a coma, thanks, mate. Yeah. So the, everyone packs into the ring and it's that big build-up of a sporting, you know, it's in this sporting arena and it's this big build-up to the event. And again, very visceral and the sound and everything, it's electrifying and then, a spotlight comes down and pierces through the black onto the middle of this octagon and um, the announcer picks it up ladies and gentlemen you know let's meet your champion make some noise for John Smith this massive guy like think you know the hound from Grome of Thrones or something yeah. Man Mountain lumbers out into the room and he's in, into the octagon and he's huge and the crowd is going nuts there's kids holding up signs and signs and, and they're shouting out kill 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 and he says, and let's meet the opponent. And this light once again slices through the darkness and a cage door goes up and this beautiful, fragile young woman walks out and she's petrified and she's scared and she's looking around the ring. And it flashes to black and it comes up with a text and it says, have we become so desensitised to violence that nothing shocks us anymore? Yeah. And then it flashes back to Man Mountain and he lunges forward and then it goes black 
and the crowd screams and everything and then the screen goes black and it just comes up and says you know whatever it is two three women children die die every week from domestic violence if we're not part here of here in australia in australia yeah if we're not part of the problem we're part of this if we're not part of the solution we're part of, we're the, part problem. of the problem yeah so it, i don't know wow. if the messaging is right i just know that it would be very very it's strong got me. Yeah, it's, it is it's meant strong. to shock yeah. it's supposed to shock and so all of the things that i write kind yeah. of have got that same visceral yeah it, re- about. it reminds me of this great clip that i saw after one of the mass murders in america and these guys set up this gun shot yep. that they, they were filmmakers i think i've seen it they set up this gun shot yep. beautiful and all of these gun, you know people that believed in yep. the what is it the second amendment or whatever yep. it is that allows them to to yep. to hold arms bear arms whatever the right phrase is and they'd come in and they'd ask to see a certain weapon and they'd bring it out and then up behind them and i can't remember exactly i don't know whether it was a video or the facts of the person who that gun had killed all yep. the people in the mass murder because yep. every gun in the shop had been part of a mass murder yep. and and the same thing that yep. you know people that had walked in there and voted for presidents like trump because they believed in this right yep. until the context and the perspective was flipped on its head and they realized that it was someone's mother, someone's son, someone's yep. daughter that, that died during this. So, yep. yeah. I love it, a story that you feel in your guts. I, I just really love a story. And, and uh, I just think that there's the, the texting and driving one there and the suicide one this morning. You know, I spend I a lot of time crying when I'm writing because, you know, I'm a, fair, I'm a very lighthearted guy and yeah. I should be doing a lot more comedy. But for some reason... I think lighthearted guys are very deep as a general rule. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, you got to have yin and yang, I've man. spent a lot of time crying in this last 12 months, Paul. I do. Yeah. So it's yeah. That, I, so that's now become my purpose. There's there's a bunch of issues that I want to lobby and and push and get behind. Um, yeah. My uh, and and hopefully find a way that I can marry two things that I love. You know, stuff that I believe yeah. in. Um, with hopefully whether it's an ability or just a passion um, to tell stories. And if I never get behind a camera again, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, yep. just do the writing. That's, that's, yep, just the but writing. But in terms of your weight, so you're sitting here literally yep. on life support. Yep. Until the right heart comes along. That's right. So is, is, is there a sunset clause on that or can you do this for five years, ten years? So th- this machine is, is absolutely the most amazing machine. So this was put in, um, as I say, under emergency conditions. I crashed in surgery. They gave me a very, very small chance of surviving and getting through this. And I had all these other things that were going on as well. And it was curled off a couple of times. And palliative care was talked about uh, on tw- on two occasions with my family. Mm. And then I overcame that obstacle. Then they thought they'd given me a stroke. And then they found out they hadn't. And so at about 10 o'clock at night on the Thursday night, they decided that they were going to do surgery. Bear in mind that I had until Friday. That yeah. was my kind of threshold. That was my cutoff. Um, so Friday morning, I was, they call it POT, um, patient on table. Um, Medtronic's the company that supply these and I've become an ambassador for them. I talk about it because it's, it, sponsored know, it's, it's incredible. Now, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the brand, but they look, they've been amazing. That The, the, the guys there. Aussie company? Uh, American company. American company. Aussie based. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, they sit in the, um, they, they sit in the uh, the consultations with me. You know, being a cyborg is quite funny because my doctor's appointments now, um, I get downloaded. So 
I go in and they literally plug myself. Into they, a computer. They, they plug me in and they see everything that's been going on. Wow. I have to plug myself in at night when I go to sleep. You know, I plug myself into the mains. Um, it's, uh, yeah, life as a cyborg is interesting. Sitting outside um, this afternoon before coming in here, you know, living live in this beautiful part of the world, sitting on the beach, watching the storm roll in, and I'm, I'm soaking it up and thinking, oh my God, I'm lucky to be alive. Isn't this wonderful? Bang, thunder. It's like, bang, lightning. lightning. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, like a I'm a cyborg duck. with an external battery. Lightning's not my friend. So, <laughs> because, like, horrible thing to think but like you're sitting there like imagine it's a woman because it's probably more relevant and they think <laughs> this is a hand this, is, this, this is a handbag <laughs> oh it's totally total handbag and, and Very but they, they come and someone comes and snatches your handbag yeah how quickly are you dead nine seconds Fuck yeah me, so man. If, that that cable right there that's called the drive line see now i'm um, getting nervous man. no but don't because my heart's beating now so this perfectly is, normally no yep. arrhythmia or nope. This is the strange thing that's happened. Now, this has not happened before. So this is why my 12 months has been a been a, an up and down journey. In, uh, once I put this in, um, the ejection fraction, which is how much blood your heart pumps out every, every time it beats, mm. a normal ejection fraction is between 55 and 60%. So that means every time your heart beats, it sends off 55 to 60% of the blood that's in the chambers off to your organs yeah. to survive, and it retains... 40 to 45 percent for it to function itself so every single beat that's happening now when i when i crashed my ejection fraction got down to seven percent and when they put this machine in it's that your ejection fraction is not supposed to change from that point but the machine takes over it sits at the bottom of the left ventricle which is um kind of the uh it's, that's the the chamber that pumps the blood up yeah. through the aorta yeah and then it goes out to you again being very crude here but what they've done is that basically initially bypassed my heart so they've put that machine and cord it into my left ventricle and then i've got a big tube that runs up then into the aorta internally yes yeah, yeah. so that's all inside so i've got a nice little you know uh, they wow. crack your ribs they and all that you. stuff Holy yeah that doesn't shit. tickle no um are you in any pain now no no, not at all. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Mate. You talk about gratitude, mate. Yeah. How does that transpire into the way you eat, the way you parent, the way you think about work? Do you meditate? Like, do you respect your health more now than when you were a corporate marketing guy partying like a rock star? <laughs> like, has it fundamentally changed everything? Or is it like, you know what? I'm just going to live and... If that means I, you can't drink or misbehave oh, th- clearly. This, these are first world problems. You know, yeah. Seriously. First but what world about problems. in terms of what you put into your body? Let's start there. D- has that fundamentally changed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm no Dwayne Johnson, but I, I gym as much as I can. Um, can you train regular. hard? Uh, I do. I just don't. I stay away from the core. But I do a lot of chest work. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You look strong, I, man. I don't run so much. Yeah, but, running's um, no good for you anyway. No. Don't do it, people. No. <laughs> you couldn't um, surf, though. What about skiing? You so could I, ski? I can't. No. I can't. Anything uh, I can't submerge in water. So that's the thing. I, I was sitting at the beach an hour ago, and I can't wait to get back in the water because that's, that's, that's actually a thought that sustained me when, I, when I'm in pain, when, I, um, when I'm having tougher days especially when I was in hospital um, I just I had to the only way I could get myself back into control and control my breath and because the painkillers just weren't working yeah and I was pleading with them like you keep talking about pain relief but you're giving me 
things that aren't relieving my pain. Like, yeah. It seems like a fairly simple thing. If you, t- if you want to give me pain relief, just please relieve my pain. Yeah. And the only thing that worked was I would sit and close my eyes and try and get back in my breath. And I sound very yogi. Yeah, now, no, it's yogi. It's, I, okay. I, like it's, it's the rain. The yeah, rain's so <laughs> heavy. I mean, where's that sound coming from? Is KB <laughs> having a shower? It's absolutely coming down. It's teeming. Yeah. It's, so I like imagine myself just lying in the ocean, starfish just bobbing up and down yeah, on the ocean amazing, and I, I got back into my breath and then I was able to so I, my, my, my eating's much better I haven't had a drink in over a year yeah. um, and uh, you know I'm I just very you, you, you said the word grateful That that's the big thing that's come mm. out of this year for me I'm grateful for everything you know I, 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 I died for a couple of minutes there and um whatever you want to call it and uh, you know this little machine it's since that point it's what 550 odd thousand minutes that I've had since yeah. so that's 550 thousand times that I've been grateful since that yeah. moment Henry and I have a hot chocolate and, and a coffee in bed every morning yeah. when he's with me and we just sit we, that, that's our time and we silent and, or talk no talk yeah. and we celebrate we, you know every single day every single morning we celebrate a win because I've woken up yeah, which, wow. is, which is ama- and I, I I'm not I'm not even joking. I'm not. I'm not saying that as a as a metaphoric thing. Yeah. Um, so do you go to bed worrying that you could die? Oh no. 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 I've never worried that I could die, and I'm not scared about what's coming up. Um, I'm scared about what's what it's going to put my family through again. Yeah. Because when I get that call, it's going to be full on. Yeah. You know. So what are the statistics around that, man? Uh, not 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 getting the call, but once you go once in for a heart transplant, what are the the statistics on survival? One in eight of not waking up. So that's seventy okay. eight of waking up. Yeah. I can live no, I take that. Yep. Yeah. I'd, for sure. I'd, from where I was. As better than the other one, which is one in nine of not surviving. Yeah. Mate, no, the, one in nine of surviving. The yeah. worst is yeah. well and truly behind, behind me, Paulie. Um, You've just got to find, you know, and we chatted about this before we, we came on air, that unfortunately for you to live a normal life again, someone's got to die. Yeah. And that your young son, God bless him, talking about, you know, it's beach season, Dad, that maybe someone will drown or it's, yep. you know, it's holiday season. Maybe someone will have a car accident that this whole silver lining playbook that it's, yeah. that life is, that it's almost a zero-sum game that every day someone's dying and someone's living. And That's right. It's, it, it's a funny thing. Um, I, I think about it a lot and I don't know if it's healthy or not. I wonder what my donor's doing right now. You know, um, How old can they be? Uh, under 55, yeah. but I will most likely get a young man's heart. Um, yeah, wow, you get an upgrade, I'm, man. Yeah, well, I've, I'm I'm in good nick, and I'm in good nick. I'm on the on the transplant list, so I'm to be honest, I'm probably weighed down right down the bottom of the list. They now, they, they weight you according to how healthy you are. Yep, maybe you need to get a little bit unhealthy, man. <laughs> maybe <laughs> every get single fat, time a heart beer. comes in, it's assessed on a on, on a on the one-on-one. urgency. So, yeah, yeah wow. but not even urgency. It's just whatever's going to be the best match. Any um, corruption going on there? Can we like bribe anyone? Or? <laughs> no, God, there, no, there's, there's really? um Look, I'm I'm happy to wait. I'm so happy to wait because I don't want the first heart that comes through the door. I want the absolute best. Has heart. to be a man. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, or yeah. absolutely? Uh, not absolutely, I've been told. Initially, I was told absolutely, yeah. and you read different chains of thought. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be, I'm a bit of a unit, so it needs to be a heart that's big, big heart, enough to yeah. be able to get the blood that yeah. I need. I wonder if you got a female heart and you came out all girly. Oh, it's just, I, I had these man. fantasies of getting like a 25-year-old <laughs> stripper, you know, had a 
a terrible pole dancing accident and you know <laughs> I wake up six months later I'm spinning yeah, around on the, the top of a pole you know G, <laughs> G banger um, that's not a good thought um, but it, it will be a man it will most yeah. I will get a good heart but that's that's how many how many a year buddy happen in Australia how many not oh, just Vinnies 90? but 90 across yeah, the country across a year the country, and how many waiting like about, well, there's 60 on the waiting list. I think it's in Vincent's. Yeah. Um, so look, I, but that's on Vinnie's. There's 90 across the country. But how many waiting in the country? So probably double that. Double oh, that. Yeah, probably double okay, that. Okay, so Vinnie's one in two get them. In the year. In the yeah. year. That's pretty yeah. high. I would. I would have thought it was way lower than that. And it's constantly chopping and changing. Unfortunately, yeah. 20% of people on the list never get there. Don't make it. Yeah. yeah. So this is why I'm so lucky, right? I've, I've had such a small opportunity to get this. 45,000 odd people in Australia, just in Australia, drop Die from before heart, they get the chance. Just from, they drop yeah. from a heart attack or something like that. They don't yeah. from a heart-related thing. It's the biggest cause of death in Australia. So if you can imagine, it's it's like saying that there's 45,000 cars on the road that are just going to conk out. Now of that, you the, there are 100 cars that will replace them. And then of that, there are 25 of these machines walking around Australia. So that's 25 of those are going to be new cars. Now, if you reverse engineer those numbers, how the hell did I end up with this thing? How the hell am I still here? Why am I that one, Proof you of know, heaven, one man. in 25 with one of these things? That's literally one in a million in Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, and not only that, this thing has done my heart such an uh, such an amazing favour. Like I woke up in May, I didn't have a heartbeat for six months once on this machine, no pulse, no nothing. And then I woke so up in trippy. May and my heart started beating. Yeah, it just wow. woke up. So I've been in a series of tests and studies and with universities and other hospitals and it, and it continues to this day yeah, just wow. to try and work out why You're that afraid. happened. I'm total freak. Yeah. You know, my sister could have told you that, but for a whole bunch of different reasons. <laughs> Medical reasons now. Yeah. The organ donor piece, I know yes. this is something that's super dear to your heart yes. because statistically how many people do here in Australia? Look, I think the numbers are growing. Um, now. What are a, they though right now? I couldn't tell you the percentages. I know last year, out of 180 odd thousand deaths in Australia, there were 510 uh, deceased organ donors. That that out of the 510 deceased organs, I think uh, organ donors, there were um, something like 13 or 1400 organs that went out. Wow. So it's a very small number. Now that a lot of that has got to do with criteria and how they die and all sorts of stuff as well, but. Um, yeah, it's it's still small. We could do a lot better. It's, but I dare say, because I don't think I've signed or done what you need to do. So yep. literally, what do you need to do to so, become a donor? So a lot of people uh, think that back in the old days when Sign you used your, to take the license. Yeah, that's that what I used to it. do. Yeah, not good enough. Not good enough. No. So they've changed it now. There's a, it's donatelife.org. Um, and you uh, and you go to that website with your Medicare card. It takes 60 seconds. Do you it. register and you're done. I'm going to do it straight yeah. after. It's, it's, it's seriously, Paulie, it's the, it's the most beautiful gift that one do. person can give to another. Yeah. And the, the, the hard thing for me is that I, 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 feel, I feel guilty because I'm waiting for this and I'm kind of wishing it to happen you know yeah, as you, you mentioned what Henry said the other day he says that with no malice or anything he's just, just no, genuine because he loves his old and man he knows, he, exactly yeah. and at some point in time right out there right now is this guy who's really healthy he's young he, he doesn't smoke he looks after himself he's my size he's my blood type and he's a donor and he's and he's probably filled it out not thinking that it would ever be him and some yeah. point sometime 
uh, something really horrible is going to happen. He's yeah. going to have a car accident. He's going to drown. He's going to, you know, something's going to happen, and and he's going to end up on life support most probably. He's not going to have a circulatory death. He's going to be on life support, and his family have got to make that gut wrenching decision to turn him to off. turn it off. Yeah. And on top of that, then they've got to honour his wishes to give away his organs. Yeah. You know, it, this is the dichotomy of my reality right now because at one point down the track there's going to be an ICU waiting room and that doctor's going to walk out and there's going to be a family there and he's going to look at them and he's going to say he's gone it's done and then a few hours later in the ICU waiting room at St Vincent's that another doctor's going to walk out and my family's going to be there and he's going to say he's he made it yeah he he's he's going to be okay and so we've got a family over there facing the utmost oh, devastation yeah. and my family over here rejoicing and it's it's a it gives me goosebumps when i think about it but um yeah. but it is it's the circle of life and it is really the most beautiful thing yeah. and i've spoken to so many donors families now that that say they have got so much comfort in knowing that their son or their daughter or their brother sister father mother whatever mm. um has gone on to help x amount of people and it's yeah. never just one you know, um, if someone's given their daughter, you know, if their heart's good enough multiple. that I'm going to get it, someone else will get something else. It's yeah. this the lives that this one decision affects. And I saw a very powerful image of a of a young, like a seven year old girl, blind, standing next to a garbage bin, and the caption was, "You know, your organs are going to go one of two places. You yeah. know, you decide." It's such a very very. And we we talk about visceral, it, like yeah, holy no, cow. It's, it, it so it's a visceral. beautiful thing. So it's obviously, dare I say, something close to my heart. I don't mean it to sound corny like that. No, it I really get it, is man. in every sense, um, but it's a it's a beautiful thing. And, and I, I don't think it's everyone. morbid either, Jay. Like no. I, it's 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 that thing that we spoke about before with your dreams when you're in a coma. That if people have lived, whether they die at 15 55 or, or 95 then then death shouldn't be looked at as such a bad thing like i'm no. going through this at the moment with my dad who's had this beautiful life yeah you know probably left a little bit of music in there because he was so conservative and catholic and those things but he's sick yeah you know healthy in body but yep. he's got alzheimer's and he's got a broken heart from my mum dying five years ago it's just cruel it's his time yeah and I would love to be able to just put a needle in his arm and mm. put him to sleep or yep. for him to do it. He was an anaesthetist to do it himself. Yeah. But, yeah. of course, again, society says, no, you've got to destroy that beautiful life that you've had for the last 79, you know, 79 now, and die slowly, yeah. painfully, yeah. and with little dignity yeah. and lonely as all fuck. Yeah. Even with five kids yeah. and 11 Thanks nieces. for saving all those lives over yeah, the years. Yeah, now. four and a half thousand. So that's not yeah, fair. It's that's, not fair. That's not you right. Know? So I, th- yeah. I think back to... You know the, the the tragedy of someone dying to give you life. I think I get the sense that that person, whatever age they are, up to fifty five, is going to have had a a really full life. And you know, it's probably someone going to make to, that decision. Yeah. It's I, I know that they're a good person. Mm. The other thing I would urge is to have the conversation with your family and tell the tell people what your wishes are. Yeah. Because at the time when they've got to make that decision and it, and it goes back to them, they it's get the irrational. final. Even if you've said yes, can, your family can override. Really, it. And that's most a people fucked up do. thing. It is, but yeah. it's, and it's done from fear. It's of course, always it is. done from yeah. fear. So if you can have that conversation and make sure your wishes are well and truly known, that's that's of utmost importance. This is it's as important as getting on and registering to begin with. Yeah. Because then, when your decision 
when the family's decision is to grant those wishes and yeah. to agree to it, then they're as big a hero as the donor. Yeah, you know they are they are just as integral to this, and and they are saving a life. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, it, it's something that's that's a very important. I understand that uh, you know that their government's looking at opt out as uh, as a prerequisite now rather than opt in. So if mm. you don't want to be the donor, you're the the onus of responsibility on is, is on you to that's say no. Such a better idea. Such they do it overseas. It's yeah. working. It would increase the amount of organs yeah. uh, tenfold. Because the list is growing, you know, where there are things that are happening in society. Um, that there are, sadly, there will always be more people on the list than there are organs available. That's just the the, the, the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, and scientists, you know, even the guys at St Vincent's are making ridiculous inroads. You know, there's this thing called a, a heart in a box where they can actually reanimate a, a, a dead heart. So if they can get to a heart within 30 minutes, it would actually stop stopping it's an actual circulatory death rather than a brain death they can reanimate it and they flush it with these incredible fluids and then it looks like a tupperware container and this was developed 15 minutes yeah. up the road yeah it's developed here and this is going to be something that this will increase they reckon by 30 40 percent the amount of organs that now that are available for donation the amount of hearts just because of this technology it's amazing things happening but there will still never be enough organs yeah. um, and that's you know that's the sad reality but yeah, look, it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about um, and for obvious reasons. It's probably not something I gave too much thought. I've always been an organ donor, but, yeah. you know, now I'm waiting for that phone call. So hence the phone sitting on the desk here. It's And donate all? Did you, what did you say? I think it's donatelife.org donate and I'll, I'll check yeah. it while we're talking. Okay, just I'll, to I'll find out too, mate. We'll put it in the show but notes. But I'm sure that's things. it. Um, Mate, this is the last show that I'm going to do this year. I've been not lazy, but I've been super busy and I haven't done enough. Congratulations on the shows, though, mate. I've been really enjoying it. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, Yeah, I love doing it. I get to chat to amazing people. And I say this and I say it regularly. One of the great joys of doing this is in this world where we're all distracted constantly. You're allowed to have your phone on. Yeah. That it's the one time for an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever I do, where I don't look at my phone. And and it's a gift because you do forget how amazing it is. But... It's the end of the year, 2018. We're living in really strange times. Donald Trump, economic dramas, climate change, you know, the fires that they've had in California, the tornadoes and floods in Florida, the drought in Australia, and, you know, the list goes on and on. Advice to people, man. Like, you know, people set goals and, and make all these grand plans at the end of every year, but most of them never come to fruition. What would you say to people to, to really put a bomb under them, to not set corny goals, but to find that true north in themselves and make 2019 the start of, of truly living? I, I would. I don't know if this is going to set off any bombs under people. Um, my advice and the thing that it does... Um, that has been really important to me. The only reason why I've been able to get through this last 12 months uh, is to take one day at a time. Now, um, it's such an easy thing to say and it sounds so cliche. Yeah. But, um, you know, I remember waking up in ICU after being in a coma for three weeks. You don't realise that you know, all, your, all your muscle mass goes. So I was completely paralysed. I couldn't walk. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't... I had to learn how to eat and to breathe and to swallow and obviously to walk again. So... Uh, I, I, I set myself very tidy goals. Mm. I'm sorry for the crassness of this, but one of my goals was to wipe my own ass. Mm. And my sister wouldn't let me have my phone because I was still suffering delirium. So my God, 
God, I could have said anything. Um, but had I had the phone on the day that I wiped my own ass, it would have been all over Facebook <laughs> because it was a glorious day. Yeah, and and from things. then it was just to have a shower. From there it was to have a ginger beer yeah. um, or to have a water that wasn't solid. Ugh, yuck. Um, yeah. So all of these little goals. And then once I was walking, it was to stand. Then it was to walk five steps. Then it was to walk ten. Then it was to the end of ICU and back. Then it was around the nurse's station. Um, you know, the other the other week I did two days where I did 50,000 steps a day. Uh, so it's you don't get to that. And I think people set themselves such unrealistic goals at the beginning. Start. If they don't hit it, then yeah. they're disappointed or they yeah. lose they lose traction, they lose hope, you know, it, it can't yeah. be done and then they get down on themselves and then that's just this sp- downward spiral. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I teach Henry and, and the thing that I know myself is to make those goals, every goal that you set, make it attainable yeah. and just small baby steps, baby yeah. step, baby step because um, you'll get there and, and most of the time, if I was to set a long-term goal, I'm going to end up either that way or that, that way. way. I'm never going to end up there just because what I want has changed as well. So yeah. um, all the cliches, this is when all the cliches come out poorly, like, you know, it's the, about the journey and not the destination and all yeah. the rest of it. And, you know, I get why cliches are cliches because they're true. The reality, yeah. There's a true, there's an element of truth to it. Um, so that's really corny. I'm sure it's not setting off any bombs, but um, but but small Attainable achievable, goals, attainable yeah. little realistic goals. Yeah, um, that's good advice, man. Because you're and right. Just I think, take each day. Because uh, then you're never going to be disappointed. Yeah. Well, I don't ever think it's a disappointment. I think for a lot of people that they set things that are unattainable because then they, they, they kind of give themselves the right to procrastinate. You know what? Fuck! I'm never going to get there that's, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's really great. Yeah, you know, it's an I'm, excuse. I'm I'm 150 kilograms and I'm lazy. I'm not going to put a goal that I'm going to run a marathon next year yep. because. You know, it looks great on the vision board or my goal sheet or whatever it happens to be in yeah. my head, but yeah. I'm never going to get there. So it's New Year's Eve. I'm a little drunk. I'm going to set it. Tomorrow, I'm going to McDonald's. So <laughs> maybe just tomorrow, don't have McDonald's. Don't go to buddy. McDonald's. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I don't have a vision board. Like yeah. I, I, um, you know, I don't sleep a lot, so I find myself up in the middle of the night and I still, I look at, you know, I was up this morning at three o'clock looking at waterfront properties that are boat only access because I just have this, yeah. you know, and I'll never be able to do it because of my condition, but I'd, I would love to live off grid for a little while or yeah. something like, even if it's half the time during the week, every mm. second week, um, I still set, I still have dreams and I still, yeah. you know, imagine things. Um, but I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I set them as, goals i'm not yeah. my every everything i do every single day is not to try and Move get myself one, something. one step yeah. closer to that i'd love to fly yeah but you know might happen fly, fly without a plane <laughs> yeah, you mean so fly and not be in a coma yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> proof of heaven you know, small steps um, yeah well buddy i hope that we sit here the same time next year same day with you and a new heart and not a machine not yeah. a machine he's been pretty good actually he hasn't beeped and gone off um, it's. I was sitting in the opera house watching this beautiful concert violinist, which she was, and she's been backed by the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, and and we got. I was there with a friend, and we got five seats right on in front, front of the conductor in the front in the opera house. Now those are hard seats to get out yeah, of, of course. and it was in this beautiful, beautiful, stunning poignant moment and this violinist and she was just so into it and it was just stunning and I looked down and my machine was saying that I was having low low blood flow and it was 0.1 
away from beeping and going off. Now, when this thing goes off, you hear it. Really? You'll hear it in you can't put it on vibrate? Oh, no. No, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's life support. I'm walking yeah, around I with life it, support. Man. And it was just at this moment, and I looked down, and I went, oh, shit, no, please, no, no, no. And I started moving, and I'm trying to circulate and get the blood going. Just don't go off now. Don't go off now. It didn't? No, it didn't, thank God. But um, it has, it's, it's, uh, it, it's gone off in... Uh, not the most opportunistic. Maybe moment. it was the violin that was causing the low blood flow. Might have done. I was, so relaxed. Yeah. I was so relaxed. Wow. It was it was beautiful, but um, you know, um, yeah, intimate relations with this bag are quite funny. You've got to have a sense of humour. <laughs> I think you've got to have a sense of humour to be with me anyway. <laughs> Clearly, you man. throw something like this into the mix, and it's just off the charts. <laughs> It's crazy. Well, it's probably better than when a the colostomy thing starts bag, beeping and man. blinking at you and just like, oh, shut up, not now, not now. <laughs> Classic, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jaden. Good on you, Paulie. I've really enjoyed it, mate. Pleasure, man. Happy New Year, everyone. You too, brother. That's a wrap, people. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jaden as much as I did, and I hope you truly will consider that important decision of becoming an organ donor. It's 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 so important. You know, it's it's just one of those things that we never really think about or we overthink about. And I just encourage you to 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 really do that. I promise you at the at the end of this recording I'm going to go on and and sign and do what I need to do to actually become a donor today. So thanks again for listening. As always, if you can rate the show, leave us a comment. It just helps other people to find it and to to enjoy and benefit from from the amazing information that that our extraordinary guests give out of the kindness of their own hearts. So have a great start to the year. Look forward to having you back on the show each week and, you know, have a really terrific one. Bye for now.